human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and as usual, I am so delighted to welcome you to the show today. You might want to go to the Self-Improvement blog and uh, take a look at the write-up about our guest today. You'll see her picture there. There's a video there and some information about her book. You'll be glad you did that. Today we're going to talk about magic, miracles, and martinis. I know that sounds a little off the beaten path, but it really isn't. I think I'm safe in saying that we've all experienced times when our lives seemed to unravel. We may have experienced a traumatic event such as a divorce or a death of someone very important to us. We may have lost a job and really didn't have any idea how to start all over. We may have had a child in serious trouble. We may have suddenly found ourselves alone and didn't have any idea how to deal with the loneliness. Some of us have outlived our friends and our income. The point is, we've all experienced times of uncertainty when we wondered how on earth we'd ever make it. Looking back on it, we realized that there were times that seemed magic and miraculous, even though at the time they may not have. These things got us back on track. And the martini, well, we'll talk about that too. (laughs) Today's guest has written about her experience with an unraveled life in a wonderful little book called Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis. The subtitle is How to Move Forward in Times of Uncertainty. It is refreshingly honest, down-to-earth, and something we can all identify with and appreciate. I really recommend that you get it and read it. It's a small book, an easy read, but one with great depth and perception. As a senior vice president of a leading technology company, Amy Van Atta Slater transforms challenges into opportunities. Don't we all wish we could do that? It is through her insights on life, business, personal development, parenting, and mindfulness that she has inspired thousands of business professionals and creative thinkers to adjust, rethink, and refocus in every field and walk of life. After graduating from the University of California at Berkeley, Amy became a noted leader in business. As a corporate strategy advisor and private executive mentor, she cultivates the development of leadership skills combined with compassion mindfulness, and authenticity. Her speaking opportunities include the 2014 Forrester Research Convention, Domo Women in Business Tour, and the 2016 Aptus Accelerate Conference in San Francisco. 
She's the author, as I said, of the recently published Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis, and it is such a delight to welcome Amy Slater to the Self-Improvement Show. Amy, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for the warm introduction. Oh, I, I'm so delighted to have you on the show. And one of the things I was thinking about as I was going through your introduction is, you know, you have been a successful businesswoman for most of your years in business. And you, know, you still encountered tremendous upheavals in your own life. We are not exempt no matter what our education, no matter what our fancy, wonderful job is, we still will experience traumas and ups and downs as we go about this business of living. Uh, and and I, think, I think that it's important that we all realize that. And, and to me, you're such a wonderful example of how to come through it. So you know, I just want to point that out, that even successful p- people get in trouble now and then. So tell, let's start at the beginning. Tell us about yourself. Who is Amy Van Atta Slater? <laughs> That's a good mm-hmm. question. I ask myself that every day. After, I, after yeah. your beautiful introduction, I'm not sure what to say, other than if you take all of the things that you described and you put them in a blender, it's a, it comes down to my uh, joy and complete pleasure in being a connector, being a connector of people, um, myself with others, other people with other people. And what I strive for is to inspire hope and magic and sprinkle it with happiness uh, wherever it is that I go, whether I'm meeting with strangers or people that I know. I just love, I love a human connection. And whether it's as a mother, as a businesswoman, as an author, as a friend, uh, as, a, as, a, as a child of parents, whatever it is, uh, it's that human connection that really uh, is my passion. And you know what? That shows up in your book. I've read a lot of books. Almost every guest I have on this show has a book. And and sometimes y- you're not really sure um, who this person is by the time you finish the book. But with you, you're so authentic, you're so open, you're so genuine that you really do make a connection with the reader. And I appreciate that so much. What inspired you to write this book, Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis? You know, it has to have been a big decision. It, it was. It was certainly a decision. And when I got hit with a lot of the things that you described with divorce, with illness, with my father's diagnosis of his uh, terminal illness, all of those things, really took me down. And like you said, none of us really are uh, immune from uh, uncertainty and uh, trials and tribulations. And when I picked myself up after being inspired by the likes of Brene Brown, Don Miguel Ruiz, and my own uh, personal transformation coach, Chris Doris, I thought, gosh, maybe I ought to share my story. I was doing a lot of writing uh, some poems that are actually in the back of the book, really more about the dark And I thought, well, maybe I could inspire others. Even if I inspire one person, I'd be successful. So I was on the phone one day a year ago with my coach, and I said, I think I want to write a book. And he said, what's stopping you? (laughs) I said, me. I said, so I guess I'm writing a book. 
So and, you had declared it publicly. You had declared it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I exactly. Get, I, said I got it, the impression so that your soul, your soul made it come out of your mouth so you could hear it. It was yeah. the impression I got when exactly. I read that. Exactly. I couldn't sneak it back in. Once it was out, I couldn't shove it back in. Yeah, there's no way to take the words back. It would be nice sometimes if we could eat them and nobody ever heard them, but it doesn't work that way. Um, Let's talk a little bit about coaching. Next week, I'm going to have a coach on, and a lot of people don't understand how important a coach is. Talk just a little bit about your coach, and then let's go on with the subject. Sure. I love the idea so, of a successful yeah, think, businesswoman having a coach. Yeah, I think coaching is so important, and, and I actually um, do that uh, on the side, some transformational coaching with people as well. And with my, with my coach, really when you think about it, think about some of the top athletes, all of the top athletes. They're born with some really amazing skills, many of them, but they practice and they practice, and they practice, and they're putting their, their body through the paces. And men, many of us are not athletes, but we have our mind that we need to keep sharp and uh, our, our souls and all of that. And so it takes practice. It takes mindfulness. And uh, my coach in particular, his, his specialty, he also works with athletes on their mental game, on mental toughness. How is it that we train our minds to get through times of uncertainty, to transform our lives. And that's really, you know, what my coaching experience was, is how do I make sure that I'm living the life with, my life with purpose and an ultimate passion? How do you go about finding a coach that can help you with that? I was fortunate in that I happened to been at a, uh, a company talk, and he was presenting for about 90 minutes about what it is that he does. And there are a lot of ways to find, find coaches. There are uh, various websites that have coaches, uh, and it's sort of like a, a, a match.com, if you will, for coaching. And right. So you can go and, and search. There's a, a site actually called Numi, N-O-O-M-I-I, and I actually am on that site as well, so people can find you and try to find the right fit. It's really important. There's a, there's a chemistry about it, just like anything. Um, when you have a teacher or what have you, a lot of it is about, is about that chemistry. You know, we, we see some of these fine-tuned top athletes being coached, you know, sometimes on live TV, and you think, wow, you know, it's interesting that they didn't, have that already or that hasn't been reinforced and yet it sometimes you could see the difference that it made in their ability in their sport at that moment and it's at that moment that you need it so with your coach and I'm sure that there are some that do this are do you have access to your coach when you are in the most need or is it on a regular this day is coaching day basis yeah, so we had a, essentially it was a, a block of hours and it ended up being essentially once a week. It might have been at a different time or what have you. But if I needed something or I was in sort of a, a place of my own uncertainty at the time, I could text him or say, hey, can we do our call earlier? Can we, uh, can you take 15 minutes with me now? It really depends on the coach. Um, certainly my style is to be just that, is to be available. 
and my own coach, his, he has that same style. And uh, it, it really it, it's dependent on what, what the person being coached, what their objectives are, what is it that they want to get out of it. But I think my personal style and what I work well with is having someone who really is present and available, not someone who's just, quote, unquote, on the clock. Yeah, see, I, and, and I guess the point I want to make with, with the listeners is that, you know, coaches are available. It's okay to have a coach. It isn't like in the olden days when somebody thought something was wrong with you if you had a coach. Having a coach means you really want to do the best you can in what it is you're all about. Um, and on that note, we're going to go to break. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Amy Slater. We'll be back with more Magic Miracles and Martinis, so stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Amy Van Atta Slater, <clears throat> excuse me, who's written this wonderful little book called Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis. And, and this is one of the most honest, straightforward books I've read. Uh, and Amy, I know being that vulnerable, because you really were in this book, uh, it can feel like a major risk. How did you deal with the vulnerability factor? Was it on your mind as you, you know, laid some of these things out before us as you wrote the book? Uh, 
were what were you a little nervous about it? What was going on in terms of vulnerability? I have to say that's really where my journey began was after living a life of the antithesis of vulnerability. I spent my entire life with this wall in front of me trying to live this life of perfection. And I didn't really want anyone to see inside where I was and in that hurting place for a long time, even as a child, my own pain. I would always mask. And so vulnerability was really at the cornerstone of my of my journey when I sat on my couch and I watched Brene Brown's TED.com video on vulnerability is not weakness. And those words basically brought me to tears. And as I say in the book, essentially the vulnerability wrecking ball took down that wall. And so when I wrote the book, it was as if there was no turning back. I spent my life not being vulnerable. So my objective in writing the book was to let people know it's not weakness. And it was a little scary. And when people say, wow, you're so courageous, I thought, it's about time. And so I just moved forward and, and really thought, I tell people, I talk a lot about the things I write about. So now I put it out to the entire universe. There's no yeah. turning back. And uh, no, I, I, think- I, really, I, I really wasn't too, too afraid. I think all of us have that little place that says, if somebody really knew me, they might not like me. Mm. And it stops us from doing a lot of things that we have the ability to do and would help a lot of people if we just stepped out of that place. Um, and, and so I thank you for doing that. I really do. Mm-hmm. Who do well, you think you. can you. benefit yeah. most? Who, who can benefit most from reading moments? Who's your target yeah. audience? Yeah, I think every human being, not to be, yeah. not a, I don't mean it in any arrogant way. I just have found that even if there's one story, everybody can relate to some type of uncertain time, whether it be health, whether it be parenting, marriage, everybody has uncertainty. And it's just been fascinating on this journey when I've done some book signings and a number of other shows. People come up to me and there's something about talking to a stranger that people feel more free to talk and they don't feel that they're judged. And I found that by my being so open, when people come to talk to me about the book that maybe they even haven't written yet, but they understand the topic, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and tell me their plight. And so the target audience is anybody who feels, I'm not really sure how to move forward. I had an ill parent or I'm in a crossroads in my career I think there's something, there really is something in it for, for everyone, even, you know, young, young people who think, I don't know what the road ahead looks like, and I'm scared. And I think it just gives people some hope. Oh, I think it does, too. Uh, and I guess, so I guess to help finish answering that question is, if you've never had a problem or an uncertainty, uh, you don't want to read this book. But if you've ever yeah. had a problem or uncertainty, you might get some help and encouragement from and this And if there is anyone book. out there who has never had uncertainty, I would love to meet them because I, oh, I, I would be fascinated to hear. <laughs> me too. I, I've never met anybody that didn't 
have a lot to overcome to get where they were. And, and they all say, it's interesting, we all say, if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't have learned the thing that brought me here. Um, exactly. Exactly. We need to remember that. Your life seemed to have come unglued with your divorce. Now, you were already a professional woman when that happened, so you were successful in business. Um, and yet, you felt like a failure. And mm. I think a lot of women feel the same way. You have your your pre-divorce and your post-divorce, and for some reason, after a divorce, no matter what the reason for the divorce was, you feel like a failure. Um what have you learned that you can share with other women and maybe men, who you know, they probably feel like failures too, about that feeling after a divorce? How do you deal with that? I had the same thing, and I, I was the one who instigated the divorce. I initiated it, and yet I felt like I had failed in the most important thing in my life. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we, we set ourselves up a little bit for for that failure because we do we hold it in such high regard which it is it's an important thing to hold in high regard but we've ra- been raised certainly women have been raised to think that I have to 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 stay married that's what it means to be a woman is to be married is to have a family and all of that and we and said for if better I, if or if worse if I don't succeed I'm then I'm a failure if I can't do this I am a failure. But we promised for better and worse. And for years, I thought, well, I just got worse. So Mm -hmm. I have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you make a commitment. And and I felt like I I let myself down. I let my family down. I let my children down. And what you find on the other side, and and thankfully, we are in a a good place of co-parenting, and I'm, I'm very grateful to that, that... Um, the father of my children is, is actively involved as a, as a 50-50 parent, which not everyone has that, is blessed no. with that. It still isn't without ups and downs. But that there is life on the other side, and it's important to know that you can choose yourself and you can still have a family even if it's, even if it's separate. And it's really hard. And I... I joked with someone and I said I think I'm the divorce whisperer because so many women <laughs> have come up to me and they start telling me their their plight and I said I'm not an advocate for divorce I'm an advocate for happiness and if it's something that doesn't make you happy then you might have to choose a different path and and it's about and, and men and women it's about when you wake up in the morning this is what I ask coaching clients um, the very first question I ask them from a scale, on a scale from zero to ten, when you wake up in the morning, how happy are you? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. And what okay. what do you usually get for an answer? It's a wide range. Uh, usually, it's middle of the road. I think people are afraid to say one extreme. They probably, if they were a ten, they might not be sitting there talking to me. I haven't right. gotten any zeros. Um, but then the follow-on question is where I get more out of it, and that is, and why do you think that? Where is it coming from? What is your source of happiness? And if you don't have it, what do you think would, would help generate greater, greater happiness? 
and then all questions. kinds of things come out. People come in to come to see me for one thing, and then we end up on a completely different track because they but, yeah, maybe didn't want to admit that that's it. where it was. Yeah. I used to ask women. I had a therapy practice years ago, and I asked women on a scale of one to five, how much do you like yourself? Mm-hmm. And often they cried. And some mm-hmm. said, can I put it in minus? I had one who said mm-hmm. she was a minus three. I'll never forget her. Um, mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's, and people are hurting, you know, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, the people are hurting. They don't quite know how to love themselves enough to get through it. How mm-hmm. did you get through this period? What was the thing, the most important thing that brought you through feeling like a failure? It was, I certainly have to say a lot of it was um, being, my coaching certainly helped. It was a lot of healing, a lot of healing from the inside. And like you said, giving myself a break. I learned to give myself a break and not to be so hard on myself. And, and, and it took mindful training. And I had exercises with my coach where I would write down what, what are the things that make me me and write down those things that I uh, would be proud of. And even if I thought I wasn't, I just had, and then he would probe me and probe me and probe me until I just a lot of positive affirmation and we can rewire our brains and our brains are often wired, as you know, right? Wired for this, this self doubt and self-loathing. Instead, we can rewire it through all kinds of affirmations. And I did some alternative therapies that helped me get through. Um, I did EFT, which I write about in my book, Mm. Uh, which yes. is tapping, and that, that certainly helped me rewire my brain that said, I am good enough, and, and to, stop, to stop doubting that. But I want to tell people that are listening, because I don't want to come off like I'm never unhappy, and I think it's really important, and I just did a, um, a recording of, a, of the six keys to unlocking happiness, and one of them is that happiness and sadness can coincide. Just because someone is happy and predominantly happy does not mean that they do not face sadness, grief, and fear. And like you said at the beginning of the show, we're not, we're not immune. There's no one that's, that's immune to it. And it's really important that I, I really want to make that point to people listening that just because I talk about happiness doesn't mean that I don't sometimes go to bed crying and that those things uh-huh. still, it's just, do I stay there? I just don't stay in that place. And I think that's such an important point. You know, we're never going to have that, I guess, perfect kind of life that there are never any downs. You know, it's, it, it just, we have, I, I almost think we have to have those downs so we can have the next growth step. Yes, that's how you yeah. know that you've grown. That's how you when know, you and on that note, as, it, as we go to break, I want the listeners to think about the last down and how they've grown since then, and where they've come since that last down. Uh, so stay tuned. We're going to be back with more. We might even talk about how to recognize when it's okay not to be perfect. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Amy Van Atta Slater, who has written this wonderful little book called Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis. One quick little question from to the, the last portion. What led you or how did you discover that it wasn't necessary to be perfect? When I realized that when... It no longer served me is the best way I can describe it, that living this uh, stoic life of striving for perfection, it impacted my health with my IBS because it's exaggerated by stress. There are certainly dietary issues, but stress exaggerated that, and a lot of that came from my striving to be be perfect and that it it just wasn't worth it. You know, I have to think that even Mary Poppins was only practically perfect in every way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we we don't have to be. It's a lot more fun just to be human than to be mm. perfect. One of the statements you make that's so powerful for me is this. You say, in both leading and parenting, it is our job to be role models of human kindness, authenticity, and gratitude. Talk a little bit about that and how that thought has influenced you and, and the results you've seen because that's where you lead people. It's so important. And yet it it's is. not the run of the mill. Yeah, and, and I found that. And I, I feel that there is a, a little bit of energy out there, certainly from a corporate perspective, that people want to work with people. They get distracted by technology and rules and regulations and all of that. But at the end of the day, studies have shown that employees are happiest and they have higher retention in companies when people feel good about 
their, uh, their immediate boss and they feel valued. And how else do you feel valued if not through gratitude? One of the ways that I do that at work, instead of saying, I've changed my language even, that I don't say thank you so much as I say, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what you've done. And I try to make it more personal as opposed to impersonal. And thank you, it's great to say thank you if that's all you can do. But I, I really try to use other language that shows more intimacy. And the same thing in parenting with my children when they've done something and, and I try to try to model gratitude because I think with kids today, there's a lot certainly in um, various socioeconomic areas where there's a sense of entitlement that, oh, I, I deserve this. I need this iPod and this I, iPhone and this computer and this, this, that, and the other. And gratitude should not be forgotten. I love the story in your book about going to the office with your father and then the follow-up of your daughter going to the office with you. Can you tell that story for us? It's so good. So as a young girl, when I was about 10, I would go visit my father who worked. He He led research and development for a company called Carnation. Some people may remember Carnation Foods with uh, Nestle. And so it was a laboratory, right, where they tested food and on all kinds of things. And my dad was just larger than life. And he was, to me, the original authentic man before it became the cool thing. And when I went there and he was walking me to the cafeteria to have lunch and we passed by one of his guys, one of his directors, and he said, Amy, I'd love to introduce you to George. He is the best scientist that we have in this division, et cetera, et cetera. And this young guy was beaming his smile from ear to ear. And we walked away, and I'm like, I know why you did that, because you want him to feel good and you want him to feel valued. And you fast forward 30 years, 30, 40 years, and I had one of my daughters with me at my office, and it was a new office that I had just, a company I had just joined, and she was with me, and I was running in to get my first paycheck. And I stopped, and I, found, and I happened to run into a guy that worked for me. I'd only known for about two weeks. And I stopped, and I said to him, to my daughter, I said, I'd really like you to meet, you know, Craig. He has saved my life here, even in just the first two weeks, and helping me get up to speed. And we walk away, and I go into my office, and my daughter says to me, I know why you did that, because you wanted him to feel valued, just like the story you told me about Papa. And, and I, it's just, it, was, it was just such a really magical experience that, uh, and it, it was just, it was a really, it was a great, it was a great thing. And I hope and that you, someday that, that she'll be <clears throat> passing that along, you know, to her children, too. And you can almost hear her doing it. You know mm-hmm. that... In some part of her life, <clears throat> she will repeat that to her children or to an employee or to someone because she le- she learned she learned what that was about. You know, back to the idea of perfection. You struggled with that idea and the thought that you weren't good enough. And you talk about that in relation w- to your struggle with IBS. IBS, if anybody is not familiar with that, is just one of the most brutal things you can experience. 
<clears throat> because you're always insecure about what your body's going to do, especially when you're out in public. Now, mm-hmm. what did IBS, among other things in your life, teach you about being good enough or, you know, struggling with being embarrassed by this? Now, what yeah. did IBS teach you? Yeah. So, uh, so for those people who don't know, IBS is a um, uh, issue, intestinal issue, if you will, <laughs> that uh, it's yeah. not pleasant to talk about. It's not a pleasant to talk about your, you know, your stomach and but bowels and much what, more what happens with it. To have it, yeah. And is- you know, but one in seven people has some form of IBS, which is crazy. But because of the topic, there's a lot of shame, and. And, and that which makes you feel that you're not good enough or that you're broken. And what I found was that the more I talked about it, the better I felt about it. Because other people would say, oh, my gosh, that happened to me too. Or, oh, my gosh, you suffer from that? So do I. How have you helped yourself? And thankfully, I found a, a great place, a nutritionist, who helped me uh, get it under control. But you're absolutely right. You feel so vulnerable because you don't know when I step out that door, what's going to happen? What's my body going to do? So I starved myself in many cases or I, you know, took all kinds of over-the-counter medicine just to make sure that I could walk out of the house safely. And you just have to give yourself a break and be kind and because kindness is really the only way you can deal with it and not to have shame around a topic. People will talk about cancer. They'll talk about breast cancer. They'll talk about prostate cancer. They'll talk about everything under the sun. Nobody wants to talk about IBS. I have a friend who just went through a double mastectomy. And she said, I wrote something about IBS on Facebook. And she said, you know, I never talked about IBS because I was diagnosed with that, too. I talked to everybody about my breast cancer, but I wouldn't share anything about my IBS. She said, I need to talk about it more. And so it's really giving people the courage themselves to talk about kind of this dirty little secret, if you will. Yeah, and some of the talking about it gives you some relief, actually. It does. It does. gives you some relief. And then you talk about letting go, and you even put the whole song, Letting Go, in your book, and I loved that. (laughs) Uh, It sounds so easy. Oh, just let go. How do you do that? How do you just let go? Yeah, especially the things, you know, it's hard to let go of things that you've held on to forever. And I think a lot of us hold on to stories that we've told ourselves about why we're not good enough or why you're, you know, we play a little bit, and I was guilty of it too, play this victim role. We don't want to let go because somehow it's safe. It's safer behind the curtain than on the other side of the curtain. And letting go, you know, a lot of it starts from just slowing down, slowing down and, and, and giving space to, to have spontaneous experiences. And, I didn't let go because I was afraid if I let go, I would unravel completely. I felt I was wound so tight that if I let go, I would never get myself back again. And so if you can go slowly and, and be, you know, have compassion for yourself, then, then the letting go gets a little bit easier. Oh, and I think having compassion for yourself is so important. And this whole idea of self-love when we've been taught to put everybody else first is so important. Another of my favorite quotes in your book is this, 
Even in sadness, as we move forward in times of uncertainty, we can find magic just beneath the surface. How do you find that magic just beneath the surface? It goes back to certainly the topic of slowing down and having your eyes wide open. I find magic in the most unforeseen places. I, I was I wrote a blog about this recently. I was in a retail store. It was a candle soap store, Bath and Body Works. And I walked in and just started a conversation with one of the, um, the saleswomen there. And we just got into this topic of conversation and, you know, back and forth conversation. Her son went to Berkeley, this, that, and the other. It turns out, somehow we got on the topic of my book because she was saying that she was afraid and she was recently divorced. And she was fearful, and she was struggling to move forward. And I thought, that was before I told her about my book. <laughs> and I said, funny you should say that. And I said, I wrote this book, and, and maybe it will help with some inspiration. And sure enough, we connected on Facebook. She ended up buying my book. We now communicate on a regular basis. And in 10 minutes, I made this really amazing, magical connection. And it came from slowing down and being open. When you have a wall up, you can't see out, but no one can see in either. And so when you take that wall down, the magic just comes flooding in. It feels like every time I turn around and I walk into a store or I'm standing in line somewhere, somehow I just strike up these conversations and and make these magical connections. And and we just have to be, you know, some of that comes down to awareness. We have Mm. to be aware that something magic is happening. And it may hit us later that something magic just happened. You know, but when you look back, it's easier to see all those moments. What do you recommend to those in, in these times of insecurity when, when we want to run away instead of face it? How can we get ourselves to stay with it? I think it, it comes to some of the things that you said and, and certainly awareness. And, and and really trying to understand, you know, what, what is it, where does the fear come from? What is it that you're afraid of? Is it afraid of the unknown? And a lot of it is, is to me, it's the power of our minds. Our minds can take us anywhere. In fact, if, if I, I could, if I put my mind in a negative space, I actually feel what it does to my body. And if I yes. say, if I catch myself and say, okay, don't go down the list of 55 things that are still on your list to do, stop that. And then I go think about something else. I actually can switch that mind and body connection. So I think it's, it's really about a positive mindset. It's trying to, at a minimum, stay neutral about how you're feeling and then try to rise above it. And it also comes to who you're surrounding yourself with. Are you surrounding yourself with people that can help you when you're in a time of fear and uncertainty and just help stay grounded. Instead, a lot of times we'll go and talk all about how scared we are and don't know what to do. And then your friends sometimes will say, oh, I don't eat or, oh, I feel so sorry for you. And then how do you get out of it? You just get into this yeah. spiral. And so it's looking to other people, I think, that, uh, that can help with your, with your perspective. And that's a good place for a mentor or coach. <laughs> yes, it's such yes. a great place. It's time for us to take our last break. When we come back, I guarantee you we're going to talk about martinis. So stay tuned. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. 
and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are, or if you even have no faith, you are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.org. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self-improvement show. Our guest today is Amy Van Atta Slater. We've been talking about her book, Moments. And as I read the book, I wondered when we were going to get to the martini part, and as in the show, we I did get to it. It's one of my favorite stories. Tell us the martini story and what it taught you, Amy. Sure, sure. So I was talking to Irene during the break, and the original title of my book was going to be Magic, Miracles, and Myths. And then, actually, over, over a martini with some friends, I, I, I saw the martini. I thought, oh, there's another M. But really where it comes from is going back to my IBS and part of my healing process was to eliminate alcohol for a year, which at the time really wasn't that difficult because I was just so sick that I said, I'll do whatever it takes. And then when I, she, my nutritionist said, well, you could start bringing in alcohol if you want, but you might want to try things that are gluten-free, you know, try potato vodka if that works for you. So I wasn't going to do vodka shots, certainly not, but so potato vodka became kind of my, my go-to vodka, and I thought, well, I'll do it and have it in the martini. But I really don't, couldn't do it, just a straight martini. So I needed, to, I wanted olive juice. I love olives, but I liked it dirty. I liked it quite dirty, extra dirty. <laughs> and so, so putting here, olive would, juice in it means making I, it dirty. Is what? It, the olive juice is what you yes, call making it dirty. Exactly. Okay. The olive juice, olive brine makes it dirty, and the dirtier the better, quite frankly. So I would be at a business dinner and certainly most times with men at the table because I'm in a male-dominated business in high technology and at the table. And it happens all the time. In fact, I was telling this story to someone as I was ordering a martini and the same thing happened during while I was ordering it. And so the waiter will come to me, everyone's ordering drinks and wine or what have you, and they come to me and I'd say, 
I'd like an extra dirty, you know, potato uh, vodka martini. And the waiter would look at me and say, excuse me, I didn't hear that. Because I would sort of whisper it at first because I was kind of embarrassed to say extra dirty when I'm with all these men as a woman <laughs> yeah. at the table. And I'd say really loudly, extra dirty martini, you know, vodka martini. And all of a sudden people would sort of look at me. And I started getting to the point where I'd look at them and I'd say, I'm sorry, I like it dirty, you know. And so really the symbolism behind it's really just not about having a dirty martini, but the symbolism behind that story is it's okay to stand for something, whatever it is. If it's a dirty martini, it's a dirty martini. And not to have any shame in standing for something. Now whenever I go out with people, oftentimes there's a martini waiting for me because they know that that's, that's what I like to drink and that's what I can drink. And like anything in life, whether it's, it's, a, it's a choice, uh, your gender choice, your religion, your job, how you live your life, stand for something and don't be afraid. I used to wonder, what is it that I stand for? And now I'm pretty clear about the things that matter to me, and I'm not afraid. And that's really what the martinis represent. You know, it's tongue-in-cheek, certainly, the martini piece, and it makes for a good title and some fun stories. But really, it's meant to say, you know, stand for something and that so if you would walk in a room everybody that knows you they would all say yes I know what she stands for yeah and a lot of people have no idea what they believe or what they stand Mm -hmm. for and I think you know the way you you, the way you crafted this chapter is brilliant and really gets the message across that it's important to know what we stand for and stand up for it Mm -hmm. Um, really important you have another book in the making, and I love this title, too. Tell us about that. When's it coming out? What's it going to be? So I have to admit, I'm now vacillating between, I have sort of two, new, two books in the works in my brain, and so I haven't decided which is actually coming next. But So the next one, uh, the one that I write about in the back is called Moments 2.0, Chauffeurs, Chivalry, and Champagne, Are They Really Dead? And it's really to be um, a little bit of a journey about life after divorce. And uh, I have this really great friend that I've made who um, works for a, a service, a car service, um, and then would drive me to the airport. And every time I'd get in the car, he'd say, okay, tell me your stories, because I'm a storyteller. And he's like, who's the lucky guy now? And I said, well, that one didn't work out. And so... A lot of it was about the chivalry or lack thereof in uh, in going through sort of this uh, myriad of, of dating experiences. And so it certainly will be humorous. And uh, uh, so that's, that's one of them. And I have another one uh, in the works as well. Do you have a title on it yet? It I do. Pepper? I do. I do. And that one is going to be Moments. And it's Women Walking and Wine. And uh, the wine is the wine is actually going to have an H in it with a parenthesis around it. I was going to ask you: Is it wine or wine? Yes, exactly. It's both. It's both. Uh, I do a lot of walking. I do a lot of walking with with my women friends, and uh, I would, you know, someone might say, "Oh, they're whining," but we also we like to drink wine. So, uh, so that's the, that's another one, and actually, that one I'm I will be probably a bit, little bit of a bigger book, and uh, my plan is to be interviewing other women that have been have made difficult choices, whether it's around business or choosing a family to stay at home versus business, 
And so it will be a collection of inter- interviews of other women. Sounds wonderful. What's next then besides books and a job and a family and all the other things you do? What's the next big thing on your slate? What's the next big thing? Well, I'm very excited. I am engaging in a little bit more public speaking, and uh, I'm uh, honored and grateful to be speaking at the LinkedIn Sales Connect Conference in New York in September. Oh, so fabulous. I will, be, I will be doing that. LinkedIn is my favorite social media site. I, yep. I appreciate it more than I some of the others. I and think. so I will be talking about social selling and how to how not to abuse it in this uh, era of technology. Now that I'm on the customer side of selling as opposed to being on the sales side, uh, I've had a number of interesting experiences. And so I'll be talking a little bit about the journey around customer relationships and uh, how they can be helped or hurt leveraging social media. Oh, that! what a great topic. I hope it's published someplace so we can all uh, hear about what you have to say. It, it's I very it timely. Very timely. We're right up to the end of the show, I hate to say. Uh, what's the thought you'd like to leave with the listeners today? Yes. The thought is, and it's something that I, I said, I think, within the hour, and that is, it's okay to break down that wall, and I encourage people to break down that wall that might be because you're trying to be perfect or safe or strong, and the beauty is when you, know, when you take that wall down, now not only will people see you, but then you'll see other things, and that's where we talked about awareness, and so my encouragement is to take down that wall and, and really allow, allow really great things to come to you because the more you do that, the more they will come, they will come to you. And that's How can people find you? People can find me on my website, which would be www.amy, V is in Victor or Vanetta, Slater, S-L-A-T-E-R.com, amyvslater.com. And there is a link to Amazon which is where you can purchase my book. It can be on, it's on Kindle. It's also in Barnes and Noble and can be uh, on the Nook as well. And then if you happen to be in the San Francisco Bay Area, there are a number of bookstores listed where you can buy it in person, uh, bookstores listed on my website as well. Fantastic. Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. really appreciate what you have to say. This is Irene Conlon and my guest, Amy Slater, saying thank you so much for being with us today and I invite you to come back again next week for more of the self-improvement show thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the self-improvement show please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel remember that improvement out there starts in here